um, at this time, we're going to jump into the, the Word of God. And um, if you have a Bible and you want to get ahead, I'm not going to go there quite yet, but we're going to look at Psalm 23 this morning. Um, if that sounds familiar, that's because it's one of the most familiar passages of Scripture in the entire Bible. And uh, if you remember last summer, I preached a series on uh, the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalms for the summer is, is what we called it. Actually, I shouldn't just say I. We had a couple of different people that preached in that series. And I had planned to preach on this particular chapter because it's a famous one and everybody knows Psalm 23. And I just, I just didn't want to do it. So I didn't. I skipped it. We didn't do this one at all. It was part of my original plan, but I skipped it and did a different one instead. And now I'm back here again, Psalm 23 this morning. Um, but I, I want to talk about this idea of fear this morning. Um, fear is something that is so prevalent in our world. It's something that is on the forefront of everything that we see. If you turn on the TV, you will be immediately confronted with things that will make you afraid if you allow them to. Right? And there are some valid reasons to be afraid in our world today because, frankly, we have a lot of problems. We have a lot of issues. There are things in our lives that, that are reasonable to be concerned about. And what I don't want to do this morning is uh, if you are struggling with fear or anxiety or depression or anything like that, I'm, I'm not telling you, hey, why don't you just stop doing that, right? How many would say that is completely unhelpful when people are like, oh, yeah, you should just, you should just stop being anxious. Well, thanks. I never thought of that, right? Like, <laughs> that, is not, that is not helpful advice. If you could just stop, you would just stop, right? And... Um, and just because maybe you're here this morning and you haven't struggled with these particular issues, just because you haven't struggled in the past doesn't mean that in your future you won't have a struggle. And just because maybe you've overcome something in your past doesn't mean that you're going to struggle, you're not going to struggle again. And, and here's the thing, fear and depression and anxiety and all of the things that go along with, with those things are formidable and real but they're not greater than the love of our Father for us. And so that's what we're going to look at today, and we're going to read through Psalm 23. Uh, but before we do that, I want to share a personal story of mine um, that will help you maybe understand this passage a little bit more. Um, last summer, we had an event for the under 40 lead pastors in Minnesota I, I'm not invited to that group anymore, okay, I aged out last year, but last summer I was still a part of it, and uh, we went, we had an event, and it was at a, a friend of mine, he hosted um, this, and Laura and the older two kids were at kids camp that week, and so I went to this thing, and it was just me and Ella, and um, my friend Derek, who hosted this, had a pool, and so we were going to go swimming, uh, with some of some of my friends, and, and they lived down in Prior Lake, so it was a long drive down there, and was going with Ella on the way down there, and she was like listening to stuff on her tablet, and on the way down, I told her, take your headphones off for a second, and uh, this is what it looked like. This is a picture from that day, and I, and I looked over my shoulder. I said, take your headphones off for a second. Today is your day, kiddo, and she looks at me like, like what are you talking about, Dad? You are going to jump off the diving board today. And she responded, no, I'm not. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm not doing it. 
And I said, why not? Well, it's, it's too scary, Dad. It's too high. I'll jump off the edge of the pool, but I'm not going to jump off the diving board. I said, you're going to do it today. <laughs> so we went swimming, and uh, I was hanging out by the pool. And the other kids were playing. Ella was in the water swimming. And uh, I was not swimming, okay? In fact, I, this is exactly what I was doing. This is another picture from that day. Those are my feet right there. I know they're beautiful, right? Um, <laughs> it's in the Bible. Beautiful are the feet that proclaim good news, you know. So <laughs> I was not swimming. In fact, I was enjoying conversation. I was having a good time. I was talking with my friends. And I endured about 30 minutes of begging from my daughter. Dad, will you get in the pool? Dad, will you get in the pool? I'm like, I don't want to. The water is kind of a little chilly, and it's like a beautiful day. And I'm enjoying talking with my friends. I don't want to get in the pool. I said, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll get in the pool if you jump off the diving board. She looked at me for a second, and she surprised me like you wouldn't believe. She immediately said, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> no. Right? So, so I get in the pool, and I'm like, this is, this is going to be a disaster because I know what's going to happen. In fact, I remember the first time, uh, and probably not my personal memory, but from my parents retelling the story over and over again. Um, when I was taking swimming lessons and I had to jump off the diving board for the first time, they said I walked out to the edge of the diving board like this. I mean, like literally centimeter by centimeter until my toes got to the edge. And then I got so that I couldn't walk any further. And I just stood there like for an eternity. I just stood there. And I waited and waited and waited and was trying to summon up the courage to jump off this diving board. And I'm thinking, this is exactly how this is going to go with Ella. Um, but I had a, a friend, and I'm like, hey, here's my phone. Would you, would you uh, take a video of this? And so this is actually what happened. Right? No hesitation at all. She just walked right out to the edge. In fact, she plugged her nose at first. She's like, forget that. I'm jumping in. Let's go. Right? I was so excited and I was so proud of her in that moment. And I started thinking about um, what that meant. Um, and, and you know what happened right after that? Like we swam back to the side. What did she say? Let's do it again, right? Let's do it again. So I'm like, all right, let's do it again. So she jumps back up there, jumps off again. Uh, we do it like three more times. And then she's like, Dad, I want to do it without my floaty on. She takes her floaty off, jumps in. We do that again until I can't tread water anymore. I'm like, honey, I'm done. I'm exhausted. I went off to the side. You know what she did? She's like, I don't need you, Dad. I put my floaty back on. She jumps in. She did it by herself over and over again. Eventually, she's like, Dad, I don't need my floaty on. I can do it without that. I said, we're not quite there yet <laughs> with, your, with your swimming. Like Her confidence level got so high that she absolutely had no fear of that thing at all. Now, why did she think that? It's because I was the one standing underneath that diving board. Right? We had built up a rapport over time. You all know how it works when you go swimming. Like You get your kids to go to the edge of the pool, and you're like, okay, it's time to jump, and they don't move. And you're like, you have to like reach up and grab their hands at first, right? And basically pull them into the water. Oh, see, wasn't that fun? Your head didn't even go under the water. Right? You dip your to their toes in the water, and then you put them back up. And then the next time, they jump a little bit more, and maybe you, 
you let them get a little bit wet, and eventually they jump so that they actually jump into the water, and their head goes under, and then they scream at you for the next 10 minutes, but then they realize that they're okay, and they learn to do this again. Well, this had all been done prior to this, right? We had been through that road many, many times before, and so this step was a step of faith for her. It was a stretch, but she already had the previous understanding of who I was, that I was not going to let her harm come to her, that I was there to help her when she jumped in the water. And that's a picture of what God does for us. Let me show you what I mean. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see the picture of overcoming fear in this circumstance. It's not like David's quoting this psalm and the threat, the danger that he's talking about here isn't a real danger. Right? He says, in the presence of my enemies, even though real danger exists, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? He's not minimizing the circumstances that he's going through. He's saying, this is a real problem for me. But I have confidence in who my God is. So I want to ask three questions this morning that I think will help us in this process of overcoming fear. The first one is, why am I afraid? You know, you could have a completely different answer to this, but these are some of the things that, that I hear a lot when I talk to people about their fears or, or fears in my own life that I've wrestled with. Um, one of them is uncertainty about the future, right? That can be one of the most um, triggering fears out there, right? One of those things that it's like, I don't know what's going to happen next in my life. I, and and if, if you're like me, um, you like to be able to see where you're going. You like to have the plan in place and you like to have all the steps laid out and you like to think through it and know with confidence this is where I'm headed. And when you face something and you're like, I just don't know what's next for me. Maybe it's um, based on something that happened in your life. Maybe you lost somebody close to you. Uh, maybe your job changed. Maybe, um, maybe you had something um, happen to you that, that put you in a tough financial spot and, and it's created this uncertainty about your future. Um, maybe it required your job required you to move or something like that um, whatever it might be those circumstances create this sense of of the unknown and that can drive us crazy as people who like to control everything can I get an amen from anybody this morning like anybody with me there because like that is hard when you don't have control of your circumstances when you're walking into a situation saying I don't know how this is going to go and that's not an invalid reason for fear. And that's when we have to lean in to our Father who loves us. Here's a, another one. Um, 
I, I hear this one a lot too. It's that when people feel alone, right? It, it might even be that, that um, you know where you're headed, but you feel like you're walking alone. You feel like you don't have close friendships or maybe um, your family has disappointed you or, or maybe you feel like just everybody that you talk to in your life just doesn't understand what you're going through. And you feel like you're facing this situation by yourself. And can I tell you something? That is a lie from the enemy, right? You are not alone. You are never alone. Uh, we were talking in our small group um, this past week about um, Elijah and the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. And most of you probably were as well. And uh, I remember that story. And then I remember what immediately followed that story. Right? Elijah had this incredible moment, this incredible moment of victory where he literally called down fire from heaven and, uh, I mean, basically showed up the entire enemy. And there was this, this drought in the land, and uh, the king and queen were mad at him. And after this big dramatic moment where God showed up in an incredible way, Elijah goes running. And he's hiding on the mountain, and he starts kind of whining to God. He's like, God, here I am. The only one left that's serving you. I'm the only one left. I'm here all by myself. I'm the only one that's doing anything, God. Everybody else has forsaken you. It's just me and you, God. God's like, I got hundreds of prophets that you don't even know about, Elijah. You are hardly alone in this process. And I know that sometimes we say, all we need is Jesus. But listen... God didn't design you to be alone, right? He designed you to be in community with other people as well. And, and here's the reality. You are not alone when you're part of the family of God. Your earthly family might leave you and disown you, but if you are part of the, the Christian faith, if you place your faith in Jesus, then you're part of the family of God. And even though we're not perfect, right? You have brothers and sisters. You have spiritual parents that can come alongside you. You are not alone in this process. Uh, here's, here's another reason why people feel afraid. Um, that is, it is something that the enemy is constantly trying to convince you of, that there's a reason to be scared, right? It's hard to not be afraid when, when you're constantly having things uh, whispered in your ear that cause you to be afraid. It's a spiritual attack. And we need to treat it as such, right? It's not just about what's going on in your life. Everything can be complete, completely fine in your life. The circumstances of your life can be good, and you can still be afraid. You know why? Because there's an enemy out there that's seeking to destroy you, right? And he's constantly lying in your ear. He's constantly trying to tell you lies. And when we believe those lies, when we allow those things to impact our life, it causes fear to rise up in our hearts. There's probably many other reasons why you might feel afraid, um, but we also need to ask the question, why is it important to be unafraid? Well, I'll give you a couple reasons, and again, there's more than this, but one of them is that fear prevents you from doing what God has called you to do. I can think of times in my life when I've sensed the Lord leading me to do something and it's, it's been either one or like because of the fear that was in my heart, one of two things happened. Either 
I face it, even though I'm not necessarily confident, and I walk through it with the Lord, and he blesses it, or I chicken out. Okay, I'd love to sit here and say, every time that God has called me to do something, I've been obedient to do it because I know that he's faithful, but in reality, there are times in my life where I'm like, I know I'm supposed to do something, I know I'm supposed to say something, or do something that God has called me to do, and I just chickened out. Right? Because I was afraid of what people might think, because I was afraid of what might happen as a result, because I was scared um, that it wouldn't go the way that, that I wanted it to. And I think we can all be honest and say we're in that boat. There are moments in our lives where we wrestle with what's right and what's wrong, with what God has told us to do, and we've allowed fear to cause us to, um, to back away from what God intended for us. Another um, thing that fear does is it puts walls up in our relationships, right? When you are really afraid about either what people might think or about what, what being honest with people might bring, um, you put up defense mechanisms in your life when you're relating to other people, right? You put up guards in your heart. There are things that, that you're just not willing to share because you're thinking, oh, I don't know what's going to happen here. If I, if I tell this person this, they're going to think this about me. And it causes us to have these barriers of separation and never really trust people. Well, how are we supposed to walk in community and in faith together if we have walls built up in our life? Another thing fear does is it steals your joy. Steals your joy. Right? It's, it's hard to be joyful. It's hard to enjoy life when you're constantly afraid. Listen, God does not want you to be living in fear. He doesn't want you to be consumed by what might go wrong, by what might happen. He wants you to experience the enjoyment of life. In fact, that's what it says in the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Solomon says, I recommend the enjoyment of life. You know what? That's, that's God's way of saying, I want you to have a good time. I want you to have fun. But some of us are so consumed by the fears in our life. And this, listen, I'm not beating anyone up because of this. Well, you just got to let that stuff go. I, I realize that this is a spiritual battle that you need victory in this area, but you're missing out on the good things that God has for you if you're going to let this Fear dictate everything about your life. So that brings us to the last question. How do I get rid of my fear, right? Well, that's easy, right? You know, you just, you just say a prayer and it goes away instantly. I mean, listen, I can't, I'm not saying that God doesn't ever do that because he absolutely does. I've seen people that have prayed and trusted God and God has immediately set them free from fear and anxiety and that's an amazing, wonderful testimony. But he doesn't always do it that way, right? Sometimes it's a process. It's a process of healing. And, and um, you know, one of the things we talked about last week is, is our identity in Christ, right? We talked about the Bible as the mirror, as the word of God. And, and, you know, a lot of people will say, well, getting rid of fear starts with having a proper understanding of who you are. And that definitely plays a part. But I'm going to make the, the case that that is not what comes first. Okay? Let's go to uh, the book of uh, 2 Timothy real quick. And 
I know that you've probably heard this verse before. You probably read it on a Christian t-shirt at some point or a coffee mug or something like that. Um, this is one of the most quoted verses in the entire Bible. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Well, there you go. There's your problem. There's your solution. Everything's good, right? Just read it right there. God gave us a, not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. I'm good now, right? Okay, right? Well, that's, that's the understanding of who we are. That's our identity. We recognize that. We're good, right? Let's back up a verse. Because look, the first word in that verse is, for God gave us a spirit of fear. That, that kind of infers that there was something before that that we need to know. So let's go back one verse. 1 Timothy 1, 6. For this reason. There's four again. We're going to have to go back some more, aren't we? For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. So, okay, there it is. It's, it's the calling. It's the, the gift of God. It's the laying on of hands. It's that, that purpose that God has given to us. That's what eradicates the fear. But then it says, for this reason. So let's go back one more verse. Now, this one is going to surprise you, okay? This is probably not where you thought it was going to start. But look at verse 5. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. So here's the progression. Let's break this down. Sincere faith that started with a praying grandma and then a praying mom and then that faith came alive in his heart as well. It was that sincere faith that led to that calling and the laying on of hands and the commissioning. And then it led to the understanding of who God made him to be. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a process to me. Right? This is how God works. Worship team, come on up. We're, we're going to need you in just a second here. This is a process, right? Faith comes into our hearts. We begin to trust God. We begin to lean into his, into who he is and understand who he is. Then he calls us. He chooses us. He anoints us. And then we begin to understand who he's made us. To be. You see, it starts not with an understanding of who you are, but it starts with an understanding of who he is. Let's bring it back to Psalm 123. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. It's the Father that is strong enough, that is faithful, that is with us, even in our darkest moments. And then it's his calling. And, and you, you look at Timothy's life. Now, if you read a little bit more about Timothy, one of the things that, that Paul actually instructs him to do, it sounds like Timothy actually struggled with some anxiety. Uh, in fact, at one point, Paul says, Timothy, drink a little wine. It's good for your stomach, right? He's probably saying right there, when you're all worked up, when you're nervous, you know, drink a little wine. That's good for your stomach. That'll help you relax a little bit. Right? So this is 
a pattern that we see in Timothy's life. He's probably wrestling with some anxiety and some fear. And that's why Paul gives him this instruction. And he says, hey, look at your grandma. Then look at your mother. Look at how God has laid that foundation for you. And that same faith that's in their heart is in your heart now. You might be sitting here thinking, well, I don't have that. Like my grandma, my, my family, I'm the first one in my family to choose to serve the Lord. Can I tell you something? You have a spiritual family. You have people in this room that can fill that hole for you. Listen, if you're feeling alone in this world, God has placed you in a community of believers for a reason. And there are people around you that can fill that, that can meet that need in your life. But you have to be vulnerable enough to trust them. You have to be honest with people. You have to lay down those walls. If you want God to give you that breakthrough in your life, we have to do it together. is the answer to your problems. All of them. But it's through faith and through community and through relationships that God intended us to find those answers. And so if you're here this morning and you're trying to do it by yourself, you're going to just be really frustrated. But if you want to understand who God really made you to be, it starts with a sincere faith in your Heavenly Father who is faithful to meet you where you're at and bring you through. He can do that for you. He can do that for you. As we close this, this morning, I, I want to just give you an opportunity respond in this moment and if you're wrestling with fear in your life or anxiety or anything that is holding you back and you want transformation, you want breakthrough in your life I believe that God can give you that I just recently watched a, a message by Louis Giglio he was talking about how out of nowhere in his life, he just had this massive bout of anxiety. And like he would wake up at two o'clock in the morning and just be like physically paralyzed from this crippling fear in his life. And he just got a, a worship song lyric in his head. And each night as that Anxiety would rise up in him. He began to, to sing that song in his heart. He said it didn't go away the first day. It didn't go away the second day. It didn't go away the third day. It was a process of just declaring that truth over and over and over and over and over again. But it was through understanding the love of the Father. And he was able to gradually overcome that fear. God works in different ways in each of our lives. He might set you free instantly. I hope that he does. 
whether it happens that way or not, the same thing is true about God. He doesn't change based on um, the way that, that you sense him working. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is always there with us as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, whether you sense it or not. So if you feel the Lord speaking to you today, we're going to sing a song at the end here. Um, but I'd ask that you just take a step of faith right now and stand where you're at and say, yeah, that's me. I need the Lord to set me free from some fear in my life. That's you. Would you stand right now in this moment? Just in boldness, just do it. Anyone else? I just want to wait a second. person of prayer this morning and you feel comfortable doing that, would you go and um, find somebody who's standing uh, as the rest of us stand as well, but would you find one of those people and come alongside of them and begin to pray with them? Just like Timothy talked about with the laying on of hands, that this is part of that process. Let's make sure everybody has somebody. place and, and worship one more time and we're going to declare this truth we sang this song a little bit earlier but it rings true now it speaks the truth of who God is